Hi there, I'm Liz. I'm Montana. And this is Bitches Don't Brunch. Okay, so you have to pardon my voice. It's a little raspy, but this is pure dedication right here. Raspy is sexy, so. Uh, and go lower, sound like a man. No. No. All right, so what are we talking about today, Liz? So today, Montana and I decided to talk about Are We Alone in the Universe? Yeah. Montana decided to cover aliens. Yeah. Love that. And I will be talking about fairies. So we're going to start off with uh, Montana talking about aliens. And I am so ready to sit back and listen because I definitely find aliens both fascinating and terrifying. And I want all the tea. Piping hot. Give it to me. Let's go. I mean, do you know much about Roswell? I have listened to a few things and read a few things. Um, It's definitely very sus, but I want to hear your perspective on it all. Okay. Because I know nothing about fairies. It's all right. I'm here to tell you what I know. (laughs) Somewhat. (laughs) Well, I chose Roswell because I've been there. I think it's a really cool city. And I think that if I can convince one person to go visit, then I did my job. It's actually a very small city. I feel like you could probably drive through and like do it in a day. Like it's a lot smaller than I thought it was. It's Roswell, New Mexico, right? Yeah. So Roswell is a city in southeastern New Mexico. I always, I've always wanted to go to New Mexico. It's a, if you're from New Mexico, it's a, you guys have a nice state. I do like New Mexico. And there's like tons of ley lines and like um, portals and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. There are portals in New Mexico? Mm. Do you know where? I don't remember off the top of my head. I just know there's like a lot of power sites there. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I, chose Roswell because I think it's a cool topic and so basically I'll just do like a little synopsis for people that don't know much about Roswell Woo! and how he became how it's all like um what's the word I'm looking for a cover-up a conspiracy conspiracy theories I mean I fully believe in some conspiracy theories I don't think the government tells us shit I'm just going to say, I I think they know a lot more than they ever let on. I think that too. Mm -hmm. Especially about aliens. I mean, they did admit that there are UFOs and there are possibly aliens, so. Well, if you like deep dive into the Roswell stories, it's amazing how the people that were involved in it and they came out, then they all were committing suicide. Just saying. Mm -hmm. It's weird. In weird ways. Mm -hmm. Okay. We'll talk about conspiracy theories. Those are good ones. They are. All right. So we're going to go all the way back to the beginning of Roswell. So basically in the year of 1947, a rancher had discovered unidentified debris in his sheep pasture outside Roswell. So officials from the local Air Force base asserted that it was a crashed weather balloon. However, many people believe it was the remains of an extraterrestrial flying saucer. So, nearly 50 years after the story of mysterious debris broke, the U.S. military issued a report linking the incident to a top-secret atomic espionage project called Project Mogul. 
Yet many people still embrace the UFO theory and hundreds of curious seekers visit Roswell and the crash site every year. I was one of them. I want to go. Podcast future episode. It's definitely a lot of aliens. (laughs) Okay. So now back to 1947, the debris the rancher found was a mess of metallic sticks that were held together with tape, chunks of plastic and foil, reflector scraps of heavy, glossy, paper-like material. The rancher was unable to identify the strange objects, so the Roswell sheriff was called and in turn called the officials at the nearby Roswell Army Air Base. So they gathered the mysterious debris and whisked it away in armored trucks. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty suspicious. Um, so when the military named it Project Mogul, Mogul, probably pronouncing that wrong. Um, so that basically was where a team invented a number of high-tech materials for its balloons and other equipment, which includes ultra-lightweight and ultra-strong metals, fiber, optic cables, and fireproof fabrics. So this is the part of the reason why some people who saw the debris thought it did come from outer space, basically. I'd be like, yeah, aliens. Mm, yeah, I, I don't really believe that that's what they found. I think that I think they're covering it up, but go on. So skeptics, Liz, Mm -hmm, totally me, kept growing through the 1950s when the Air Force conducted a series of, I quote, dummy drops over air bases. They test ranges and unoccupied fields across New Mexico. So basically, they were meant to test ways for pilots to survive falls from high altitudes. So they sent bandage, featureless dummies with latex skin and aluminum, as I quote, bones. Mm -hmm. So basically dummies that looked an awful lot like space aliens were supposed to be falling from the sky onto the ground. Mm -hmm. So the more people believe the government was covering up the truth about the Roswell landing. They were convinced that the, the dummies were actually extraterrestrial creatures who were being kidnapped and experimented on by government scientists. So, there was actual talk of a reward for anyone who recovered one of these unidentified objects. According to the Roswell Daily Record, a man named Jesse A. Marcel was the group intelligence officer dispatched to the scene. He had gone with counterintelligent corpse officer Sheridan Cavett. I probably pronounce all these names wrong, but it's fine. It's yours. So Officer Sheridan Covet, but on his way back, he took a detour to his own home where he whipped out a couple of boxes of debris that popped in his trunk of his car and he showed to his 10-year-old son, Jesse Jr. Uh, one of the objects was said to have hieroglyphic-like markings, something that stuck in the mind of the young boy, according to the report. So just as quickly as excitement of this fine grew, the army took swift action in debunking the story. I feel like they're always quick to like, that's not true. This is what it is. The government officials claimed the debris was actually from a crashed weather balloon and Marcel was asked to be pictured at the press conference with the debris. Just like that, the case was closed or so everyone thought. 
So now, in 1978, where the interest started growing again, a nuclear physicist, an author, and UFO researcher, Stanton Friedman, interviewed Marcel. Marcel told him that the discovery made 31 years earlier was not from this world and the government had ordered to keep him quiet. Because of this, Friedman revisited the incident and sought other witnesses and his work inspired Charles Berlitz and William Moore to write the Roswell incident that was published in 1980. So their conclusion was simple. There had been a huge cover-up. And like also keep in mind other things were happening in the world at the time. So you have like the sci-fi films like you had Star Wars, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and then there was a show unsolved mysteries where they did an episode of the alien findings i haven't seen close encounters or i haven't either but it sounds interesting unsolved mysteries so Mm -hmm. i can't vouch for that but i have seen star wars because it's star wars yeah i didn't really like star wars that much i liked the first three i didn't like any of like the old school star wars Mm -hmm. yeah those are always going to be the best yeah the other ones kind of sucked go on okay um so if you actually want me to do an episode of witness testimonies, like just let me know because they're so like very interesting ones. Yeah, please do. I want I want that. Like I said, some of these people just randomly killed themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you talk about the men in black in this episode at all? No. I didn't oh. even read anything about men in black. Really? No. Oh, yeah, that's, like, a thing. What's what's the men in black? The men in black are the people that will come to you and tell you to stop fucking talking about aliens. And people don't know if they're, like, from the government or if they're actual, like, alien entities. But there have been, like, a ton of people that have experienced the men in black who basically, like, warn them off of telling anything about aliens. And if they don't, they'll, like, hurt you. So that's like a whole other episode. It's really, really fascinating. Actually. I didn't know. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Men in Black is, the but, movie is based off the truth, but the Men in Black in the movie were uh, a lot nicer than the Men in Black in in the real world. I mean, <laughs> it was a good movie. Show. It's a great movie. Will Smith is amazing. Yeah, I didn't know that. It's such a great I movie. didn't like read anything about that. Yeah. I got you, girl. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Well, just a few months ago, on July 20th of this year, it actually marks the 75th anniversary of the Roswell incident. Mm. Man. So I wanted to do, I did an alien story, and I actually did um, the first alien abduction story that was recorded, like, ever. Bring it. So. All right. So the first alien abduction which, like I said, is the very first one to be recorded, happened on the night of September 19th, 1961, which, as I am reading this, think about it, it is September 15th of 22, and this episode will be released on September 22nd, so literally almost to this day, like 61 years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. So, September 19th, 1961. So Barney and Betty Hill were driving on a rural highway to their home in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Barney was a postman. Betty was a social worker. They were active in the community and in the civil rights movement. 
So on this isolated row that snaked through the White Mountains, I've hiked those, by the way. I'm just saying. Badass bitch. So the couple recounted they saw a bright object that appeared to be following their car. They arrived at their home around 5 a.m., unable to account for two hours of the night, feeling that something terrible had happened to them. It did take a while, but the Hills eventually remembered the life-altering event that befell them on that lonely stretch of highway. Mm-hmm. So the Hills' first publicized account of the alien abduction was first told to a psychiatrist, then in a book and made into a TV movie. Like, every, everything is basically... Mm-hmm. Right, so the details vary, but the typical alien abduction news are basically how the Hills have self-reported this encounter. So they're very similar, basically. Which is taken by other worldly beings subjected to various experiments and returns never to be the same. Can you imagine? No. So in the U.S. today, there is about 2.5% of the population reports having some personal experience with alien abduction. So a side note, uh, because I found this interesting, uh, psychologists have identified two truths that apply to most people in this unique cohort. So they are not lying, at least not consciously. Most people who say they were kidnapped by aliens, even if the evidence doesn't support their claim. So basically they believe that they believe it. Mm -hmm. And they are not crazy, but at least not in the way we think of when we talk about crazy people. So like through, they tend to differ from the rest of the population on some key psychological traits. I've read like a few alien abduction stories and it's all, some of it is eerily similar. There's gotta be something to it, you know? Well, I think a lot of them are similar. Mm -hmm. That's why the psychologists are like, well, they really believe it. Then, Yeah. What's creepy is there are dozens of kinds of aliens, too. Really? Mm -hmm. We know most about the greys, the reptilians, and the Nordics, I believe, are what we have encountered the most. But then there are other encounters with, like, aliens that... I don't know. They're weird. I think one guy saw an alien that had, it was like yellowish and it had like a saw for a hand. It was a whole thing. I can't remember the name, but please continue. Cause I could go on for hours about crazy shit. You know me, I'm a weirdo. Hey, you're not crazy. You just have different psychological traits. That I believe. All right. So we'll take a look back at the point where all the stories began. Okay. So the night was cloudless and starry. The hill stopped for coffee at a roadside diner around 10 p.m. and they figured they would make it home around 3 a.m. After the diner, they got back in the car and continued on their way home. It was sometime later, Betty looked out the passenger side window and saw a bright object following them. Barney decided to park the car and get out at Betty's insistence and looked at the object through a pair of binoculars. Of course he did. Mm, man. That's why women live longer. Well, she did insist, though. I I, she say. did. Mm, yeah. mm-hmm. So the object was a spacecraft with a set of double windows through Barney could clearly see, I quote, at least half a dozen living beings. They were wearing uniforms and looking straight at him. 
Terrified Barney raced back to the car and pulled off the highway into a winding side road to lose the scraps. The couple heard a series of loud beeps and then each felt an odd tingling drowsiness come over them. And that has up. That is how they described it. When they next regained consciousness, they were 35 miles down the highway. So groggily, they just continued home. So at first, there was only a few oddities, like Barney's shoes were scuffed and his binocular strap had broken. He had a feeling that something had happened to his body, and he went in the bathroom to examine himself. And they they didn't say, like, what he found, that they he just examined himself. That's kind of dumb. Like, at least tell us. I don't know. Do you find anything? Do you not find anything? Like, I don't know. Don't let people find incisions or something, which is creepy. Oh, that would be horrible. Mm-hmm. Like an incision, like missing a kidney or something. An incision, like almost like something had been implanted, they Ooh. believe. All right. Well, yeah. I don't know what he found. He just said he examined himself in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So they tried to think nothing of the incident, but days later, Betty started having nightmares. Those are your favorite. I hate nightmares. Yeah. They're so fucked up. So we're going to jump two years later. The couple visited a psychiatrist and they underwent hypnosis and they both recounted what had occurred that night. Short gray aliens with big wraparound eyes took them aboard their saucer shaped craft and probed them with needles. The psychiatrist didn't believe them, though he could see that the hills did. Barney was terrified at the recollection where Betty was more comfortable sharing the story with friends and others, even giving lectures about the experience at schools and local groups. So this is when journalists started sniffing around and the Hills agreed to a book deal. And in 1975, NBC aired the UFO incident, which was a made for movie, which was a made for TV movie about the Hills. And in the two years after it aired, reports of alien abductions, a thing never recorded in human history before Betty and Barney Hill, it rose to 2,500%. Jeez. And I mean, I think it's, there's, of course, there's so many conspiracy theories where he, Barney, like, the ones that don't say it's not real. He just like was listening to what Betty was saying over and over again. So mm-hmm. that's why their stories were the same things like that. Do you think it was real? I want to believe it was real. I think it was real. Why would you make something like that up? I mean, of course you'd probably get some skepticism, but I mean, I don't know. I think like you could get a lot of I think you could lose your like a uh, your sterling reputation if you had admitted to something like this, you know, like aliens and people are like, what are you fucking nuts? Like I think a lot of people will look at you side eye. Like whenever I even say like I believe in fairies, people are like, uh, what? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, mm, this bitch is crazy. Does it matter? No, I don't fucking care. But I doubt that like a normal couple, especially in that era, would have wanted to uh, publicize something like this unless it was true. So think about all the people that come forward when someone else comes forward about something. We could even go to 
kind of sad and go to the Me Too movement. It was a powerful thing. But all these women that had been afraid to speak out before began to speak out. So imagine like you have this crazy experience, but you've always been afraid to talk about it. But someone finally does and you feel like you can open up. I think that's what happened personally. I mean, for them to both have the same description Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. during the hypnosis. Mm -hmm. Did you find any information about the, the alien video? The one that was like fake that was released. Yeah. Did you, did you dive into that at all? I did not know. So supposedly the people that made that, like eventually they did admit that it was a fake, but they said that it was based off of real events that they had seen and like closely reenacted to actually what happened is it true? I don't know. I like to believe it is, though, because the alien in that video does look quite similar to the gray aliens that people have recounted time and time again, which, I mean, I think there's something to it, honestly. Well, that's why I didn't d- dive like into it, because mm. it was like, this is a fake. So I'm like, well, I don't want to know. Yeah. I mean... What do you do, you know, if people keep telling you over and over it's not real? Are you going to keep fighting, you know? I don't know. I Yeah. I'm a skeptic of skeptics. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I that's how I label myself. A skeptic of skeptics. You Indeed. don't want the men in black knocking down on your door. Absolutely fucking not, but I've never been abducted by an alien as far as I know. So, I don't think I'll have them knocking on my door also i think that they'd probably just be like no one's gonna take this bitch seriously she's fine (laughs) um i can't remember i was listening to a podcast about um the first men in black appearance i think it was sometime in the 40s and like two people died when they admitted that they had seen aliens because the men in black warned them like don't ever talk about what you've seen they did and then i think they died so the, the men in black have been around that long? They've been around a long time. Yeah. And then there was someone else. God, I, I, I didn't research aliens, so I didn't take notes. You know more about aliens than I do. I just listen to a lot of podcasts about this stuff. But uh, there was a guy that had was obsessed with aliens, and he like published this journal every month, and he was going to publish some finding But then supposedly he was visited by the men in black that warned him off. And then ever after that, his physical health declined terribly. And apparently he got many visits from the men in black warning him off. So we never know what his findings actually were. Damn. Uh, I know. I would not want to mess with them. That's all I'm saying. Damn. Yeah. Well, I have a little alien story. Um the closest probably experienced aliens um, when I had sleep paralysis. Yeah. Which I know you get sleep paralysis a lot. All the time. So actually, um, for anyone that doesn't know what sleep paralysis, you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, sleep paralysis is a feeling of being conscious but unable to move. So it occurs when a person passes between stages of wakefulness and like sleep. So basically, you aren't able to move or speak for a few seconds, up to a few minutes, actually, during these transitions. Yeah, sleep paralysis is terrifying. terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's the worst. 
So we could do a whole podcast on sleep paralysis. We probably should. That's like a highly debated topic as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think sleep paralysis is literally the most terrifying thing I've ever experienced. Um, and so it actually would be cool to do an episode of like the science versus the demons mm-hmm. or which one is it? Mm-hmm. Science or demons or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with like demonology because I think it's a lot better than science saying, well, your brain does this and your body does this. I mean, and who's to say that it's not both? Who's to say that demons don't take advantage of the fact that your brain oh, is waking true. up before your body? It's terrifying. I've had my experiences with demons, guys. I know a lot about that shit. It's only that much. Okay, so basically when I lived in my parents' old house uh, before they moved, that was the only place to this day that I have like gotten sleep paralysis. So their house was literally straight across the street from a graveyard. Such good times in that graveyard, let me tell you. And I am like telling you, um, since we their house was across the street from a graveyard, there's a lot of shit that went down in that house. Like a lot. It was like insane. That's a whole no- that's a story for a different day of all the stuff that happened in that house. So uh, when I was about maybe like 18 or 19 at the time, I don't even remember, 18, 19, early 20s, whatever. So every time I would have sleep paralysis and was able to like move again, I would take a sleeping bag and pillow and go sleep on my parents' floor. And the only thing my mom would really say about it was it has to be pretty scary for an adult woman to sleep on <laughs> parents' floor. That's some real shit, though, for real. So in the morning, she would just, like, creep around me as she got ready for work. Yeah. Grown-ass woman sleeping on my parents' floor because that's how terrifying sleep paralysis is. So if you've never had it happen to you, you're fucking lucky. You're lucky. It's absolutely freaking terrifying. And, yeah. I hate it. So the worst one I remember to this day, I woke up and I couldn't move. I remember I couldn't even scream. I saw figures walking around my room. They were just like walking back and forth. Uh, But there was one figure that was like hovering over me and its face was not far from my face. And it was like an alien shaped face, like the big eyes and everything. Uh, (laughs) No. And it just stared at me, like, and just from my face, just staring at me as all the other figures were walking across my room. Um, so the moment I could finally move, I remember I jumped out of the bed. I turned on the light, and of course, like, nothing there. And it didn't last long, but it was long enough for, for me to remember that moment that was, like, 15 years ago. Do you think it was actually aliens? Maybe. I could see aliens going after you. Thanks. That's not a bad thing. You're an interesting person. You're probably like, ooh. My life's boring. Who is this woman? My life is so boring. No. You're boring. The aliens? Yeah. No. I kind of like to, like, assume that aliens see us as, like, like, you know how, like, we go to the zoo and we look at all the animals and we think it's so cute when they just, like, stand there or sleep? I think that's how aliens see us. I think we're, like, probably, like, no little, no more than cattle to them. 
or like zoo animals. Not in like a bad way, but they're like, oh, look at the precious, stupid little human, like falling in love and watching TV and pretending that their lives aren't short and so fragile. There's like this lady, I forget her name. My mom told me about her, so I'll find out her name. But she has like a YouTube channel about aliens and how actually aliens are here to help us and all that. I mean, there is a lot of debate from a lot of different people. Like, some people think the aliens are going to hurt us. Some people think the aliens want to help us. Because they're so far ahead of us. Yeah. That's why they want to help us, to help us move along. I mean, that's there's conspiracy theories. That's how we got our technology. Yeah. Was alien technology. No, I agree. I mean, if you look at, like, ancient civilizations, too, it's it's fascinating to think that maybe aliens did visit. You know, because there are, like, inscriptions or, like, art that would imply that there were some kind of creatures or godlike beings that were giving these people their technology. Technology that they should not have had at that time. No, but then you get back into, like, the Roswell, where anything that happens, the government comes in and it's like, actually, this is what happens. hmm Yeah. They don't want us to know. And probably cause full-blown panic if they're like, yeah, yeah, I mean, aliens are definitely out there. And they're probably also in our oceans as well, so. I mean, technically, are we aliens? Yeah. To different planets? That's true. Well, I remember, like, War of the Worlds, like, they came up from the ground. Like, they were here the whole time, and they just came up from the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's creepy. I mean, there have been some UFO sightings where they, like, go down into the sea. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And, of course, like, we know more about, like, space than we do about our oceans, which is kind of terrifying. Well, because you can only go so far down in the ocean. Yeah. Technology is not made for... Mm -mm. Not our technology, anyway. Not yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even if, like... Can you imagine what's down there? I don't want to. I think it's horrifying. I absolutely think it's horrifying as well. I don't want to know. I don't want to know either. Some things I'm okay to be blissfully ignorant about. I feel like one day, though, we're going to, like, we're going to crack that surface. Mm-hmm. We will. I mean, we've made a lot of strides, like, when you look back just in the years that have been recorded, like, how many strides we've made from then to now. I mean, we used to think the earth was fucking flat. Now we know. Some people still do. Yeah, I'm not a flat earther. Honestly, like flat earthers don't make sense to me. Hollow earthers make a little bit more sense. I still don't believe it. But I could see how you'd believe that like there was some kind of land in the middle of the earth as opposed to the earth being flat. I think that's kind of nuts. And of course, you know, there's, you know, thought that this could all just be a simulation. That terrifies me the most of all. Glitch in the Matrix. Mm-hmm, that shit fucks me up. I don't like it. You know what it fucks me up is deja vu. Yeah. But it's so strong. You're like, ooh. I had that earlier today. I hate deja vu. Mm-hmm. Me too. It's real creepy. Yeah. Mm, I know. Not my favorite. I'm telling you, though, if I get visited by an alien, I'm going to just put this out there. I want the Nordic aliens. So what are the Nordic aliens? The Nordic aliens are said to be like very like peaceful 
and they're said to be like tall and like blonde usually and beautiful. I think there was actually a woman who said that she met a Nordic and like fell in love with him in space and like she's been trying to get back to him ever since. Whatever. But they supposedly gave us a lot of technology and like a lot of like the star seed, star children thing um, believe that they are from different planets and that they are like of the Nordic Mm. race, which is interesting. So I'll take them. I don't know if I want to mess with the greys or the reptilians. I don't know if I believe in the reptilians. Maybe. Aren't the reptilians supposed to be like here with us now? Yeah, I mean, I think the conspiracy is that they are, like, popular figures in media. Like, people think that Beyonce is a reptilian. They think that the British royal family are reptilians. I think they think that, like, the Clintons and the Bushes could be reptilians as well. Basically, people in power, they believe, Mm -hmm. are actually just reptilians. So, (laughs) crazy to think about. Well, you sure know your stuff. I just read a lot of weird shit. Comes <laughs> in handy. To weird shit. Yeah. With, with episodes like this, it does. I could not tell you fuck all about math or chemistry, but I can tell you about aliens and fairies and cryptids. I know a bunch of cryptid stuff, too. Ever since I, like, saw Breaking Bad, I was like, damn, I really wish I paid attention in, like, chemistry. Because, that, like, that's the only time that would have been cool. To make meth? Like, to have the knowledge he has to make it. I've never seen Breaking Bad. Oh, just, like, he's, like, yeah, like, to make the perfect, like, ingredients. He's, like, oh, this, 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 and this. I'm, like, damn, science, yo. I married a chemical engineer and chemistry still fucks with my head. I cannot. That's not how my brain works. (laughs) Oh, my God. Try living with, like, a physicist. He was, like, my ex-roommate, and he would be, like, he could talk about time travel and how, like, how you can make it happen. I mean, I actually think physics is quite fascinating. I had a long talk with my client earlier today and we were talking about time travel and simulation and like how like this whole universe as we know it might just be a hologram, just light. It was like really fascinating. That stuff definitely piques my interest. Uh, The periodic table does not. (laughs) So like his homework would be like five pages long for one problem. And I'm like, how do you like this? Uh, yeah, no, I, I like to talk about it. I don't think I'd actually like to like, yeah, I wouldn't want to take a test on it. I'd be like, can't we just talk about this? Like theoretically, I don't want to take a test. So I'm a lazy piece of shit. Oh my God. It is what it is, guys. It is what it is. Anyway, I vote we go to Roswell and we go to like all the portals and Well, I didn't know Roswell had the portals. I don't know if it's Roswell. I, I can't remember where exactly in New Mexico. I just know it's like a really strong place of power and I know Sedona and does. Yeah. Yeah, I know Sedona does too, but I swear there are places in New Mexico too. I swear it. It's just a cool state. Albuquerque's cool as well. I want to go to Santa Fe because Jack Kelly from Newsies sings about Santa Fe, New Mexico, and ever since then, it's been my dream. Yeah, that's where they filmed the movie Rust or whatever, where Alec Baldwin shot that woman. I had never seen that movie. I mean, they were making it, and he literally shot somebody. 
why they're making the movie in Santa Fe. Oh, really? Yeah. It happened in The Crow, too, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They thought it was like a prop gun or yeah. something. and that, That's really scary. Yeah, she lost her life. We could also do a whole episode about cursed movies, because there are so fucking many cursed movies. The Exorcist, Poltergeist, The Crow. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good one. Mm. If you want to hear that, like, email us. Yeah. Or just, like, leave a comment on our Instagram. Or subscribe and keep listening, and we'll do it. Yeah. You guys should definitely subscribe anyway, but, you know. Oh, yeah. Way to push them out there. Yeah, guys. I have a raspy voice and I'm still here. Yeah. That's Talking. dedication. This is guys. dedication. Uh-huh. I, I feel bad for Liz because she has to sit next to this man with uh, his raspy voice. Just pretend you're Demi Moore. You think De- Demi Moore has a raspy voice? Uh yeah. I haven't seen her in a, like a long time. Did so, you like, watch St. Almost Fire? She had like a super raspy voice. Or like Sophia Bush. Sophia Bush has a super raspy voice. I always thought it was super sexy. This is not sexy, though. This is just like... I mean, I don't think it's bad at all. Reading about aliens and, like, trying to sound normal and it's not coming out normal. It's all good, boo. All right. Well, that's enough of my raspy voice for a while. Let's talk about fairies. All right. Let's talk about the fae. So... Fairies. Yes. Yes. The word brings to mind many things. Tinkerbell, Thumbelina, pixies, leprechauns, gnomes, and me, of course. If you know me, you know I absolutely adore fairies. Yeah. I really do. I love them. I want fairy wing tattoos on my back, but that's going to take a while. So, the truth is, I could sit here and talk about the Fae for hours, and I would barely scratch the surface. I mean, there's just, it's it's so much to cover, honestly. So today, I'm going to talk about some of the Celtic Fae found in the Book of Invasions, because Celtic lore is close to my heart. I'll also discuss the goddess Fleash and the upcoming pagan festival, Mabon, and how all that ties into the Fae. So let's begin by discussing the Thua de Dunam. These godlike people supposedly descended from ships in the sky with smoke billowing and following them, magical and very powerful. They brought with them darkness for three days to the land of Ireland. They were thought by many to be gods and were said to come from a land of internal youth and beauty called Tyr Nanog. However, they wanted Ireland. And so this impressive group plunged down into the rolling green landscape with the purpose of ruling the land they'd come to. Unlike the native Celts who were small and dark, the Thua de Dunan were tall with pale hair and pale eyes. But the, but the Thua de Dunan had to fight with the current rulers of this charming land, the Firbolg. The Firbolg actually came from Ireland, but migrated to Greece. And their name literally means men of bags because the Greeks worried about their growing numbers. Um, They had actually enslaved them. Um, But 
after they enslaved them and they realized that they were growing in numbers, the Greeks got worried and they made them carry huge bags of soil and rocks to fertilize the land. But the Firbolg escaped and came back to Ireland, where they only ruled for 37 years before the Thua de Dunan came and demanded a piece of the land, which they refused. A battle ensued and the Firbolg retreated. Now the Thua de Dunan ruled the land, and they brought magic with them. For the treasures they brought with them were Dogda's Cauldron, the Spear of Lu, the Stone of Vow, and the Sword of Light. Also, guys, if I'm mispronouncing things, I apologize because I every site has a different pronunciation for everything, and Celtic pronunciation, especially Gaelic, is extremely hard because it never looks like how it's supposed to be pronounced. Like Samhain is S-A-M-H-I-H-A-I-N, and it's pronounced Samhain. It should be Samhain, but it's Samhain. Just, you know, heads up. So anyway, Dogda's Cauldron. Dogda's mighty cauldron had the power to feed an army of men. It was said that it had the ability to leave no company unsatisfied. Two, the Spear of Lu. The Spear of Lu was one of the most feared weapons in Celtic mythology. Once the spear was drawn, none could escape it, and any warrior that held it could not be defeated. The Stone of Fall. Lea Fael, or the Stone of Fall, is believed to have been used to pronounce the High King of Ireland. According to legend, when a man worthy of kingship stood on it, the stone would roar with happiness. And lastly, the Sword of Light. According to legend, when the Sword of Light is removed from its holder, no opposing enemy could escape it. In some stories from Celtic mythology, the sword resembles a bright glowing torch. Um, I would like to say that I cited this from Keith O'Hara on irishroadtrip.com. So if you guys want to check that out, he had a pretty good article. Their king, the Thua de Dunan king, was named Nuwada Getlam, and also known by many other names. He lost his arm in the battle with the Firbolg and nearly lost his kingship because the Thua de Dunan must be physically perfect in every way. However, he did not lose his position for long, only seven years to the Fomorian descendant Brias. But an unhappy seven years it was. So the insect, the son of the Dagda and the healer of the De Dinan, replaced Nuada's arm with a new silver one, and thus his crown was restored to him. The Thua De Dinan fought three battles in total and ruled Ireland until the Milesians defeated them. The Thua De Dinan tried to force the Milesians away with storms and magic, but could not defeat them as they weathered the storms. After the last battle with them, Ireland was divided into two, the above-ground Ireland and the below-ground Ireland. The god of the sea, Mananin, helped lead the Thua de Danan to the underworld of Ireland and shielded them from the eyes of the Irish people. The Thua de Danan ruled from 1897 to 1700 BC. On a whim, I decided to look up descendants of the Thua de Dinan. And I know I will have people saying, but these are myths and legend and truth mixed with obscurity and magic. My response is, one, I'm not a historian. I'm a witch. Two, were you there? Were we there? What if magic was once commonplace? And three, let us have our fucking magic. God damn it. 
Anyway. Amen. 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 Yes. Anyway, I went onto a website and I was surprised and delighted to see that my last name is one of the names that marks me as a descendant of the goddess Thuyash, one of the Thua de Danan. It was an odd path that led me to this tidbit, odd and winding. The truth is, I told everyone I was a fairy when I was a girl, like everyone. And Were you a boy at one point? Well, I guess when I met when I was like a little girl. I'm a woman now, damn it. I'm just teasing. I'm a woman now or something, maybe. Anyway, I told everyone I was a fairy and everyone believed it because I believed it. And now in my 30s, I have a very strong spiritual practice and a definite connection to the fae. I even have a fae guide whose name I will not say as it is between us and it's none of your business, although I say this with love. And I've heard them in my room at night ringing bells and dancing on my blankets. This sight felt like another sign to me that the Fae are still watching out for me and guiding me. So Fleash was known as the Earth Mother and Lady of the Forest, and her name means soft-haired or fair-haired. Deer and cattle are her sacred animals, and it's said that one of her sacred cows was able to feed an army of 300 men with just one milking. She is also known as a goddess of sexuality and healing. She's a beautiful balance of our domestic and wild selves, so call on her when you need to balance yourself. She would actually be the perfect deity to call upon on Mabon, coming up in less than a week, as this is a day when light and dark are equal. A day of balance. So for more on Fleash, you can read the article I cited and see if you are also descended from one of the Fae. Um, and I read this article by Judith, Judith Shaw on feminismandreligion.com. And I would, of course, be remiss in not mentioning Mabon itself and its relation to the Fae. So Mabon is the autumnal equinox and a festival celebrated by many pagans, myself included. It's only a few days away as I'm recording this. It is going to be on the 21st, September 21st. So while it's argued that it was dubbed Mabon very recently, actually in the 1970s, um, it's generally agreed that Mabon was from a Welsh version of the Persephone myth. Mabon was a child of light and the son of the earth mother goddess Modron. Mabon is the second of three harvest festivals, and it's a festival to thank the god and goddess for, god and goddess for providing a harvest to last through winter. So how does this relate to the Fae? Well, the Fae are wonderful guides in the tween places, between light and dark, day and night, sea and sand, crossroads, etc. And Mabon is a perfect balance of light and dark. So this, in a way, is a perfect time to honor them and ask for their guidance. Personally, I have an altar specifically for the fairies, <clears throat> and I leave them little offerings a few times a week. A great Mabon offering for the Fae would be blackberry pie because blackberries are one of the symbols of Mabon and of the Fae. Just be careful not to go blackberry picking after Mabon as you might offend them. You could also raise your glass to Mab, queen of the Fae, and toast her with wine. Then you can pour it onto the ground. I could go on for hours about the Fae, the Thua de Danan, Celtic gods and goddesses, and the like, but the truth is, Fairies are real. Am I descended from one? I like to believe so. 
Like humans themselves, fae are neither good nor bad, but they can definitely bring magic into your world. I suggest leaving out cream or bread and honey and calling on the fae to infuse your life with wonder and a childlike glee. Be wary with their presence and never demand anything because the retribution can be swift. But I personally have never had an issue with them despite the many warnings. I adore the fae personally, and I hope you will too. So that was my research for today, guys. Um, the truth is, like I said, I could go on about fairies for fucking ages. I mean, she really could. I could, I could, I could go on for ages. There's so many different types of fairies. I mean, I have, it's called the encyclopedia of fairies and it is thick. Let me tell you, it's almost as thick as I am guys. Um, thick thighs, thick save lives, save lives, thick bitch. But, um, I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. Like, like, I think when people think of the Fae, they tend to think of like, like I said, like Tinkerbell or Thumbelina. Of course, those aren't really accurate depictions. They're pretty like Disneyfied, Disneyfied. Like they're all like, oh, like of course Tinkerbell is a bit of a bitch. Which hey, girl, hey, do it. she was in love with Peter Pan. No, I, I mean she did try to kill Wendy though. I mean, yeah. I would say that's at least a little accurate. I that's mean, why she was a bitch because she just wanted Peter Pan. She just wanted Wendy got in the way. She just wanted Peter Pan, yeah. And Wendy ended up not being with Peter anyway, so it's like what the fuck. Um, but anyway, there are so many different type of fae. At like pixies are like small, usually mischievous, and then like you have gnomes. Um, they usually like live in the forest, um, close to the ground, they mine and stuff. Um, you have red caps, which are warlike fae and they're called red caps because they dip their caps in blood, um, to make them red. And whenever it starts to fade, they choose a new victim to get more blood to dip their caps in. Indeed. So... Kind of like humans, like you can't call the fae good or evil. I mean, they're like us. They're both. Uh, I would definitely be careful messing with them. Like people that anger the fae, it ain't good. So how would you anger the fae? Um, you could like, okay, so for instance... Like in Ireland, what they would used to do is if they were intending to build a house somewhere where they thought there might be fae, they would basically like put four sticks in the ground at like every corner where the house would be. And if they woke up in the morning and one of the sticks had been moved or like thrown off course, they were like, oh, okay, so I the fae don't like this. So I need to keep placing these sticks until I find a place that the fairies don't mind. Um because it's, it's kind of sad because we did kind of impose ourselves on their land and they are still very much a part of this world, although they don't always show themselves to everyone. But I'm sure it's frustrating. You have us just kind of taking what we will, chopping down sacred trees, um, you know, ruining 
the stone circles. There was actually a farmer, I believe, also somewhere in Ireland. Um, and he had accidentally like knocked one of these sacred stone circles down. He knocked one of the stones down. I think his bull ran into it or something. And he started having like 10 years of the worst luck. Like I think like his farm burnt down or something. Basically like, I know things just like kept happening and kept happening. Finally, he would think he would have done this in the first fucking year, but apparently not. He went to um a druid and was like help me and the druid was like well we need to put the stone back up because you pissed off the fae um and they are definitely seeking their uh revenge on you for this so they put it up and they blessed it and he did like a druidic ceremony and it was all good 10 years took him 10 years I, to do that men they're a little slow obviously i would have done it like in the first two months but it's fine um got him yeah. I mean, there are tons of stories, too, about, like, the Fae leading people into the woods and, like, them being lost. Um, there's the story of the wild hunt, which basically there are all these creatures and they go on hunt and they, they like, hunt down, like, humans. <laughs> um, scary. And then also it's said that you are never to eat or drink when you are actually in the realm of the fae or they can keep you there as like a prisoner of some sorts um there's actually stories of like men being taken by like a fae woman and then like when she discards him back into the human world they basically waste away from the want of her so they're quite powerful creatures and beings and not ones that I would ever want to mess with. I try and stay on their good side. I'm always like, hey, what's up? Here's a little cream. There's a little honey. Here's some cookies. I try and stay on their good side. You know, you just, I, I've never wanted to mess with them. But I've also always felt a very strong connection with them. And I've never really feared them. And I, I don't know. I, I still don't think I would eat or drink in that realm if I were there. Because I, I don't want to be a prisoner. But I also think I would have a really freaking great time. I would be like, where has this been all my life? Family reunion. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, hey, what's up? I'm back. And they're like, where you been? I'd be like, I don't know. The human world. It's been kind of shitty. Can I stay here? They're like, yeah, cool. Perfect. Um, one of, of like a very well-known story of the Fae, um, and there are a few different versions of this, but basically... There was a midwife and this woman rushed up to her and was like, my mistress needs help. She is in the middle of this birth and, and she's having issues. Can you please come and help her? And the midwife was like, mm, sure. And they're like, cool, but we have to blindfold you. She's like, what? They're like, yeah, we have to blindfold you, blah, blah, blah. So, so the midwife goes and she's helping this woman give birth and and basically what she sees is an opulent room with like a wonderful bed with a canopy and silks and beautiful rugs but anyway I can't remember exactly what happens I think that they give her like um like a solve or something and she's using it on the woman but she goes up and she accidentally, with the solve still on her hands, touches her eye. And then all of a sudden, with that eye, she can see the truth of what's happening. She's in like a grotto. And basically, the bed is in bed. It's like moss and bracken. And the woman is clearly a fae woman. But this woman 
<laughs> knowing her shit is like, I'm just going to pretend like everything's fine. I don't see shit. So anyway, she finishes the birth. The woman is okay. She's blindfolded, let back out. And then, you know, she's like, oh, escape that unscathed. Great. They didn't know. Um, but then a few weeks later, she's at the market and she sees one of the women that had been at the birth. And she's like, oh, how is your mistress doing? And the woman's like, huh, she's doing well. Tell me, which eye do you see me out of? And the woman's like, well, well, this one. And she's like, okay. She touches the woman in the eye and the woman goes blind in that eye. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yes. But it is also said that the Fae can be quite inspiring. Um, some people believe that William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream was inspired from him actually talking and venturing into the Fae realms and that they blessed Shakespeare. So... I think there's a lot to receive and a lot to lose um, with any powerful relationship, right? I mean, it doesn't matter like if it's a mm, politician or a fairy, like there's always the chance to gain or lose quite a lot. You just have to be careful. You have to tread and you have to be respectful. Tread lightly, everyone. Well, I've heard y'all. You should be respectful. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, whenever I am like walking home and I'm sure the guy I'm dating thinks I'm fucking crazy because I'm always like, wait, stop. Wait, you're not crazy. There's psychological <laughs> traits. Remember. True. But I'm always like, wait, hold on. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I have to pick up this trash. I can't just leave this trash here. That's one of the ways you can endear yourself to them is like picking up litter in your environment. Definitely. If you see litter and like like trees or grass, if you like pick it up, um, it's a good sign. And obviously I've already said to leave out offerings and things and to honor them. Um, like I said, I have three altars in my home. I have my main altar. Um, and then I have my altar for Aphrodite and then I have a little altar for the Fae and they all get gifts <laughs> because I'm not trying to piss anybody off. And also all of these Figures in my life have been huge in my life. I mean, Kernanos, Aphrodite, the Fae. I mean, they've all been such huge, important figures in my life. And the Fae, have, I've been obsessed with fairies since I was literally like a child, like before I could even speak. I, I, I really do. Like my mom used to say she would like see me like looking at things and smiling and I would always draw a fae and like, I love to like dress up as a fae. I think like I still have a picture of me and I'm like Tinkerbell. It was such a cute outfit. <laughs> I wish I could have it in like, like adult size. Cause it was so cute. Anyway, the obsession runs deep. <laughs> Clearly. And I have quite a few experiences with them. Um, most of them are from when I was a little girl, but I have three that I will talk about today because I know, I know that there are still going to be people out there that are like, bitch, you are crazy. And I, psychological traits. Yes. To them, I say, go fuck yourself. Remember you believe that you believe it. Yeah. And I mean, you know what? There are so many other pagans that worship the Fae and there, I mean, there's even like a, a sect of Wicca called like Fairy Wicca. 
Um, I'm reading that book right now. I find it very interesting, but they're just, they used to be so like prevalent in our culture and it's only as we've like gained information and technology, it's like we've shoved magic away and like locked it behind a door and we try to explain everything away with science, which science is wonderful and science is magical, but I still think some things are inexplainable. Um, I think that there needs to be a blend of science and magic. So anyway, I could go on for days about this, guys. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump ahead and tell you my stories. Okay. So I remember watching a movie about that event when I was just a little girl. It's called Fairy Tale. And Houdini makes an appearance. Not actual Houdini. That would be really cool. But, you know, an actor portraying Houdini, which is pretty sweet. We could do a whole episode on Houdini. He's super fucking fascinating. Really? Yeah. I don't know much about him. Oh, he is fascinating. Anyway, I was obsessed with that movie. Obsessed. I was like, two girls find fairies and play with them and take photos? Excuse me. Um, Why is this not my life? And so my obsession got deeper. And then my uncle actually got me a book. And I think it's called The Fairies by Sousa Scalora. Yep, The Fairies by Sousa Scalora. And it's like all these images of models dressed up as fairies. But again, as a little girl, I was like, no, it's real. It's absolutely fucking real. Um, so I luckily drew a lot of misfits to me at the time. And I told them all about fairies and my obsession. And I remember I made really good friends with this girl. I think her name was Alexis. And I was in maybe like third or fourth grade. We had just moved to Ohio. And we were both obsessed with that movie, Fairy Tale. And I showed her my book, The Fairies. And we would like tromp around looking for fairies at all times, <laughs> all the time. And one day we were successful. So I was walking in this beautiful park and we were like wandering deep in the woods because we we're like, we're not going to find fairies on the friggin' path. We gotta, go, we gotta go in the woods. We gotta tromp around the woods, which hard to find in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, so for fairies who go in the woods for. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And Bigfoot. Bigfoot's cool too. Oh, we should. I will, mm. Bigfoot's another episode. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, so we were tromping about and all of a sudden we like, we just stopped and stared because I still remember it so clearly. Like we were sitting in this beautiful clearing and the sun was shining down and there were just these like tiny, tiny little figures and they were like very white and they, they looked like they were wearing like beautiful, like gowns, like flowing white dresses. And they were like, maybe the size of my pinky, like very tiny and like they had like very small little features, obviously you couldn't make them out because they were so small, but they were clearly fairies. And we only saw them for like maybe a minute until they like disappeared. But we like little kids, we were screaming and jumping up and down in the excitement. We were so happy that we had been, we proved it. Fairies were real. <laughs> yes. Of course, no one believed us. I mean, my parents did because my parents have always believed me, but I think most everyone like gave us a pat on the head and was like, okay, sure. Um, but I, I still remember that so clearly. And it just, it just made me even more firm in my belief that the, that fairies were real and that they were around us. And so then um, I started at a new school in fourth grade and I made a bunch of friends 
And we all believed we were fairies. And I, you know, drew them further into my obsession. And one day I was with one of my friends and we were in the playground of the school we were at. And it was kind of like, so there was like regular playground with like jungle gym. And then there was like a grassy area with trees. And then right up next to our school was like a yard and it had like a chain link fence. I can still remember this like it was yesterday. It was crazy. So my friend and I are looking and we see this like figure like bobbing like up and down. And we're like, what is that? It was like in the neighbor's yard that butted up next to the school. And it, we we're like, is that like a squirrel? Like what? What a weird movement. And so we got closer and closer. And then <laughs> it's still so strange to talk about it to this day. But it was like a little gnome. And it was pretty short. Like it, I, I wouldn't say it went further than like my shin. And it had like brown and like green clothing and like a little pointed cap. And it was just like bobbing like up and down. And then all of a sudden it like stuck its face through the fence and bared its teeth and growled at us. I don't know why. And my friend and I just looked at each other and screamed and took off running. I don't know. We were scared. It wasn't that big, but it was still freaking scary to be like glared at and growled at by like, you know, a fey creature. Gnomes are creepy. I'm sorry. I love gnomes. I don't know why it was mad at us I that just, day. I think they're creepy. Like people put them in their lawn. I love Like their yard. I just think they're creepy. No, I absolutely adore them. I even have a little, I call him Nomi and he's like a door holder that my friend Dominique gave him for me. And I like make sure he's like all comfortable and he like keeps my, my bedroom door. I, lo- I love gnomes. I think they're adorable. I think they're creepy. Yeah, they're super cute. So yeah. So that was also extremely exciting because after we stopped screaming in terror, we started screaming in excitement. Like, oh my God, fairies! Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think with adulthood, it's almost like a veil is drawn over your eyes and things get harder to see unless you're like staying very open. Um, but I got into alcohol, drugs, boys, you know, all those things that kind of like dimmed my light for the fae. Um, but in the past year I've really reclaimed my spirituality. Like I have like become very strong in my own spiritual practice. I've delved very far into paganism. I've been like worshiping anyway. So there was one night and, you know, I was actually in the apartment I live in now, which, you know, quite well is quite haunted. Um, it, it is you just know, to you. It's haunted, girl. I don't know what you're talking I about. I never had anything when I lived there. I'm just saying. That place is fucking haunted. It's not bad, but there's just like a lot of stuff going on there. I don't know. Maybe I'm a portal. Who the fuck knows? I could oh, be a you're portal. totally a portal. I could see that. Anyway, um, there was a night, um, and I had just burned a lot of sage, and <laughs> all of a sudden, like I'm I'm half asleep in bed, and all of a sudden, like I hear like giggling and like this like faint laughter and like bells ringing like right by my ear but then as soon as I'd wake up it would all dissipate and disappear and I was like what the fuck but it happened like all night and I was like why are you mad at me (laughs) I was like why are you keeping me up I don't know if they wanted my attention or something it was definitely the fae because a sign of the fae is like bells laughter I kept smelling lavender all night 
So I knew that they were around, they were dancing on my bed. I could feel like little presences, like dancing on my like half asleep form. And I know people are going to say you were dreaming or whatever, but it definitely was not a dream. I'm quite well versed in those and what they feel like also in sleep paralysis. And this wasn't that either. I know I'll still have lots of people that are skeptical about it and don't believe me, but I know what I saw and I know what I heard. I also, like I said, I do have a fake eye. I will not say the name, but it was very intriguing because it is not, it's not really a human name at all. And it just popped into my head one day when I was communicating with my guides. Um, and one day I was listening to my favorite podcast and they we're talking about a book that this woman had written about this random place. Mind you, this podcast has over 300 episodes <laughs> and I just happened to stumble onto the one and they're like, oh, this book is named blank. I'm not going to say it because like I said, my guide is my guide and, and it, I, it, it is never, it is never okay to share a fairy's name. Once you have their, their full name, you have power over them. I do not have my guide's full name. Um, also, you should never share your full name with the Fae um, because then they have power over you. So just so you know. Um, but anyway, I will not be repeating the name, but the name was so unique that I was like, wow, this is definitely a sign. And I believe that what they want from me is they want me to talk about them because they've been really shoved down, relegated to children's tales and make-believe, but they're very much real. They're very much alive and they're very much all around us and they want to be friggin' acknowledged. So anyway, I'm off my soapbox. That is my little tale and my mythology and your lesson today about fairies. The end. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the fairy names, they're like a lot of tongue twisters. This one isn't so much a tongue twister, but it's definitely not an, a human name and it's definitely not one I would have come up with myself. Well, the ones that you were reading. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Basically, any any name, any Celtic name or like Gaelic word is going to be a tongue twister. It's just, I mean, I stumbled reading the person's name, so. It is what it is. But yeah, that's. I feel like I learned a lot about the Fae tonight. I didn't even scratch the fucking surface. Oh, I bet. So much. Well, guys, thank you for joining us about aliens and fairies. I feel very educated, Montana, and I appreciate it. I feel like you still educated me. <laughs> Do you know about this? Do you know about that? No, I didn't. I didn't read anything about that. Uh, I just wanted to do the basic synopsis of like how Roswell came to be. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you know about the Nordic aliens or the gray aliens. I've been in black. I should be spending my time reading the news, but instead I listen to paranormal podcast and but the like, news is depressing. Mm -hmm, it's true. Um, I also read a lot of fantasy fiction and like, weird news articles so yeah yeah so i feel like you still taught me a bunch of stuff we teach each other that's what we do you'll have your day when you're here talking about the appalachian trail and all i can do is go ah mm, ah, mm, oh, ah, but you'll go in the woods for bigfoot or fairies absolutely 
Doesn't Bigfoot terrify you? I don't know because everyone has different accounts. Like in some he's very gentle and in some he's definitely not gentle at all. So I don't know. I know the Ohio one is said to be really aggressive though. Ohio one? Mm-hmm. Why? What what does he have against Ohio? I don't know. Everyone has like calls him different things. Like there's like Sasquatch and then Florida, I forget what he's called. Like swamp. So is there like a Bigfoot for Skunk every ape. state? I don't know if it's every state. I think, oh. There's in, one in Ohio? See, what? What? I didn't know this. Yeah, there, I think he's called the Grass Man. I think he's called the Grass Man. Let me look it up. Honestly, the Grass Man sounds creepier than Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Yeah, I'll have to look. Okay. Yeah, Bigfoot Encounters in Ohio. Quest for the Grass Man. That sounds interesting. By Chris Murphy. I might have to I might have to read that actually. But um yeah, nice you haven't already, to be honest. I'm telling you. But yeah, he's said to be there are a few encounters of the grass man slash Bigfoot in Ohio, and I, apparently he's like a little bit more aggressive. And I think this I think it's the skunk ape in Florida. I think he's a little bit more timid, but knowing Florida, who the fuck knows? Florida's crazy. Florida is its own world. It is. So anyway, guys, uh, tell us if you liked this, if you want us to do more of these like paranormal podcasts, because I personally absolutely adore this topic and could go on for hours about a number of topics. (laughs) And I found great pleasure in reading about this and also listening about aliens. Yep. I still barely broke the surface. But that's with anything, though. Like, there are so... What subject can you, like, cover in, like, two pages anyway, you know? Even five, ten, fifteen. True. I feel like these these are topics that are just so in-depth that even mm-hmm. with aliens, you can barely break the surface, I feel like. So much. But we can go into more detail if you want, guys, about any of this. Or we can do cursed movies. I think that's a good one. I think so, Cursed too. movies. Mm-hmm. Bigfoot. Talking about Bigfoot. I mean, I would like to learn about Bigfoot. I literally, know, I didn't know that there was one in Ohio. So, mm-hmm. thanks for listening. If you could please um, subscribe, rate, review anywhere that you're listening to this, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, um, it really helps with the numbers. And we would love to monetize this eventually. And we really need your help. So, subscribe, rate, review. Follow us on our show's social media on Instagram at mbigsky and at spellbell period poet. Uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next week. If you have any suggestions, drop it in our comments. Um, you can also follow us on our podcast Instagram at bitches don't brunch podcast. And we'll uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>